Welcome back to That Rooted Feeling. This is episode 11, Meat and Disease. This episode is brought to you by the Rooted Food mobile app, the app that helps you to get more plant foods in your diet for gut and overall health. You can download it now in the App Store or on Google Play. Welcome to That Rooted Feeling Podcast, where we bring you high-value health information and practical tips to help you improve your lifestyle habits with a focus on plant-centered nutrition. So you can achieve optimal wellness that radiates into and improves all areas of your life, giving you that rooted feeling that you won't know until you have it. Welcome back. We are so excited to talk to you today about the consequences of meat consumption on our overall health. So Brooke is going to lead the discussion today on meat, and next week we're going to dive into all of your questions about fish and egg consumption in our diet. We hear so much that meat is bad for us, but is it just red meat that we should be concerned about? Unfortunately, it isn't just red meat. It's, you know, any kind of meat, poultry, pork, red meat. We really do need to be concerned about it all. And it doesn't really matter whether it's hormone-free or grass-fed or free-range These are all great and they, you know, increase the quality of your meat. But what infers the disease is something totally different. I just want to go over the process by which we understand meat causes disease. Of course, I want you to understand that these are limited. There's probably more pathways that can infer risk. But um, what we know is that saturated fat, when it is in the gut, it increases secondary bile salts and produces bacterial endotoxin, which are very, very inflammatory, not only to our gut while they're in there, but also to our body as a whole. And when you get bacterial endotoxin in your gut, you're going to start creating leaky gut. We're going to talk more about that when we get to some of these cancers and autoimmune disease. In addition to saturated fat, protein also causes a problem. When we eat animal protein, there is a substance produced called TMAO, or trimethylamine and oxide. This too is very inflammatory, particularly for our vasculature or our blood vessels. But really any organ can be affected by the inflammation of this molecule. Another thing just to mention, and more information is needed on it, but there's a good degree of evidence that iron in large quantities can be toxic for our bodies, possibly due to some pro-oxidant potential, which causes inflammation too. So when we think about disease, we want to think about inflammation causing disease. Inflammation increases immune response. And then by default, we get a pathologic response in our bodies. Yes. And the World Health Organization has even placed processed meats in the same group, the class one carcinogens as cigarettes for cancer risk. What is the association of meat and cancer? Right. So in 2015, the World Health Organization said, we have to give these recommendations for processed meats. And they put them in the same category because the evidence was so compelling that processed meats caused cancers, particularly GI cancers. I think the biggest association was colon cancer for the reasons we mentioned. But then they also put red meat in the probable group. So when we think about processed meat, think bacon, hot dogs, pepperoni, sausage, things like that. And if you just ate 50 grams of processed meat a day, that's less than two pieces of bacon. You increase your cancer risk more than 18%. Wow. 
And it's not just red meat and it's not just processed meat, but also chicken has been shown to increase risk for certain cancers like melanoma, prostate cancer, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, And we have seen this through population studies. Dr. Colin Campbell, he's a nutritional biochemist. He was probably the first one to notice this relationship back in the 60s. And he saw that there was a really high percentage of cancer, liver cancer, in children that were of affluent families in the Philippines. And he looked around and was like, what is different about these, you know, children? And they were eating a lot of meat. Yeah, I took his plant-based nutrition certificate and this study was compelling to me to see that in such young kids. And then he repeated the study in a lab with rats. He could show Mm -hmm. that animal protein increased tumor growth. That's true. And in the 70s, Caldwell Esselstyn, who's a big plant-based pioneer in terms of health, he noticed that in Kenya, where they don't eat meat, that the breast cancer risk was 82 times lower than in the U.S. And that's just, I think that's crazy to me. But, you know, other cohort studies that have been focused on nutrition and lifestyle factors have shown that vegetarians overall have a lower risk of developing cancer And there's clear link, you know, we talked about colon cancer with processed meats, but all meats are associated with colon cancer. I mean, that's like the first point of, (laughs) you know, um, insult in your, in your colon. And then of course, dietary fiber can improve that, that risk, right? So fiber from plant foods decreases colon cancer risk. And then when we talk about other cancers, the two most prevalent cancers in our society for men and women are breast and prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. And they're both associated with increased meat intake and particularly are protected when you have plant foods. I also want to mention just one other thing about meat. When you cook meat and, you know, by a dry form of cooking, like baking or grilling, yeah, and especially when the meat is charred, you produce advanced glycation in products, which are carcinogenic too. Now, this can happen not just on meats. This, this can also happen on fruits and vegetables if you're charring, you're charring them. them. Yeah. But it's going to be to a lesser extent. So if you're going to cook, when you cook your food, it's probably more advantageous to cook it by wet methods like boiling or steaming, things like that. Wow, that's a compelling link to cancer with meat consumption. What about heart disease? That's the number one killer of men and women in the United States. The data there is so compelling that even the president of the American College of Cardiology, Dr. Kim Williams, has been quoted as saying there are two types of cardiologists, vegans and those who haven't read the data. (laughs) I thought that was so funny. That is. Um, But if we want to talk about population studies, they go back as early as World War II. And when the Germans, this is, I thought this was so funny too. I don't know why this just, I got a kick out of this. So um, when the Germans occupied Norway in 1938, they started eating all the animal products because they, you know, wanted it for their, their troops. And the heart disease in the Norwegians plummeted. Oh, wow. Went totally down. And then when the Germans left, the heart disease rate went, <laughs> went back, back up. up. Oh, I do remember reading that study. I think T. Colin Campbell talked about that one in the nutrition course. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think that was also in a, I think that was also in a documentary. That, yeah, I think that so. That I You're watched, right. yeah. Um, and then, you know, you talk about other populations. The Bolivian Chimene 
where they are totally plant-based, have absolutely no coronary artery disease. So this is definitely a Western society disease. Let's go back to Caldwell Esselstyn, who is just, you know, one of the forefathers of plant-based medicine and Mm -hmm. lifestyle medicine. He showed in the late 80s that you could change your lifestyle and totally change your lipid profile and halt or regress cardiovascular disease by eating plant-based. Yeah, it's compelling to see the shift of disease with just this shift in your dietary pattern of taking out meat. Yeah. And if that's not enough for you, you know, um, erectile dysfunction is one of the first presenting signs of heart disease because it's so dependent on the vascular system. Yeah. Um, And so if you're having poor capillary blood flow, if you're having really viscous, saturated, fat-filled blood, you're going to have erectile dysfunction. And that might mean you also have something up with your heart. So that's a good indicator for all our men out there that you might be on the precipice of, you know, developing. Yeah, that's a good tip to put in there. More symptoms. Some people don't understand that connection there. Yeah. Um, going back to some of the studies, Dean Ornish, also a pioneer of lifestyle medicine, he did the lifestyle heart trial, and he showed that a low-fat vegan diet, stress management, exercise, and no smoking could reverse cardiovascular disease. He actually did angiograms to show that the vessels were less stenotic. So that's pretty profound. Yeah, that is. So another study I really love is the seven-day Adventist health study. We know this from the Blue Zone. It's a centenarian population Mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, they're not industrialized, they're not westernized, and they're plant-predominant. And in general, they tend to live longer, but they also have less death from cardiovascular disease. Yeah, they do. All of this research is so compelling on the effects meat has on disease, not only for prevention, but also for patients that already have heart disease, The right. what they've shown to actually reverse the damage. Yeah. And speaking of, once you have things like hypertension or high cholesterol, you're already in, in the development stage of these diseases. Yes. And so it's really important to know that you can start to reverse those things by being put on these plant-based diet or right lifestyle changes. Yeah, it's a great early warning sign, kind of like pre-diabetes. Um, same thing with, you know, hypertension and hyperlipidemia. It's an early warning sign that, you know, you can make lifestyle changes to start to regress this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I want to talk just briefly about diabetes. Even though it does have some pathology in the inflammation cycle, One of the biggest parts of diabetes that causes risk is the storage of saturated fat in places where it's not supposed to be stored. So what happens is we get saturated fat into our liver cells, which are really important for gluconeogenesis. And then we get it in our pancreatic islet cells that are important for release of insulin. Then we get it in our myocytes, which is our muscle cells. It's really important for insulin to work so that we can take up glucose for Mm -hmm. energy. And so then you get insulin resistance. And there's some other factors, certainly inflammation that are affecting our insulin resistance or insulin sensitivity. But we have seen in studies like the plant-based diet for prevention and treatment of type 2 diabetes has shown that a vegan diet will significantly reduce hemoglobin A1c levels. And again, we've mentioned that before. That is a glycosylated hemoglobin molecule that basically shows us what, how your glucose has been trending for the past three months. 
So many people may be aware of cancer and heart disease risk and, like you mentioned, diabetes, but what about other diseases? One of the misconceptions about autoimmune disease, for example, is that, okay, I was born with this. This is just my predisposition to have this disease. When in reality, I think maybe, you know, there's a a larger environmental component. Mm -hmm. We certainly see that people who eat meat, when they get this leaky gut, like, you know, I mentioned earlier, it breaks down the barrier between our internal world, our internal environment, and our external environment. And so with all that inflammation and that exposure to the Mm -hmm. external environment, we're going to get this inflammatory and immune response. So the inflammation brings the autoimmune cells to the site. Mm -hmm. And once they're there, they start picking up on everything that's there. And if they recognize proteins from their external environment, they're going to start to build up immunity to them, right? Yeah. So then the next time they see that protein or protein that mimics that, and we have protein markers on all different kinds of cells, right? They're going to start to recognize that as foreign. Mm -hmm. And now that they see it as foreign, they're going to attack it. And that's what autoimmune disease, auto meaning our own and immune meaning immune system. It's the attack of our own immune system on our bodies. And that could be perpetrated by um, nutritional components. We've certainly seen this in patients with rheumatoid arthritis. Mm-hmm. And people who have rheumatoid arthritis tend to show improved signs of joint aches and rashes and other symptoms when they are placed on a completely plant-based diet. Yeah. I do want to mention the Epic Oxford study. So they showed that vegetarians and vegans have lower BMIs, lower cholesterol, lower blood pressure, lower ischemic heart disease, lower diabetes, lower diverticular disease, kidney stones, cataracts, some cancers. And then they did show, however, that there was an increased risk in fracture. But I don't think that this accounted for dairy. And we're going to talk about dairy Mm -hmm. another day. But that is something to consider, just making sure you have calcium. And also folate was mentioned. So I think a lot of things are fortified now, but calcium is a big component and it's something to to consider when you're plant-based for sure. For sure. So you've talked about a lot of these chronic diseases and these studies and the body's impact, you know, of meat and its influence on these disease states in our body. Can you talk to us about some of the other factors that play into, you know, our overall health with meat consumption? Yeah, so there's some additional issues that aren't related to that inflammation or storage of saturated fat that we talked about, and they can be antibiotic resistance. So 70% of the antibiotics that are used to save human lives are now being used to treat animals in these really terrible Mm -hmm. industrial conditions. Every time a microbe sees an antibiotic, it's going to try and mutate so that it can survive its defenses. And that's going to render antibiotics ineffective. And that's where we get what are termed superbugs. And so the more we use these in our meat and our food supply, the worse off we're going to be when we need them in the acute setting. Yeah, we see these antibiotic-resistant infections all the time in the the hospital, and they're only growing in the amount that, that are out there. Right. And then there's zoonotic disease. So, you know, a lot of viral diseases or even Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease, which is mad cow disease, start in animals. Mm-hmm. We see, and we've seen a new outbreak of monkeypox recently that started in an animal. 
Um, and then you can also get foodborne illnesses like salmonella, E. coli, Campylobacter, which are, you know, pretty discomforting. And mm-hmm. E. coli in its worst forms can lead to significant um, critical conditions. Yeah, GI bleeding, GI distress for sure. Yeah. Then on top of all of that, some of these meats can have hormones. On I know we mentioned that a lot of the chronic disease isn't related to hormones, but if they do have hormones, they're going to definitely interfere with our body's natural regulation. And that poses a huge concern because our hormones play such an integral part in our overall health. Then you can talk in terms of calorie density, Animal foods of course. are extremely calorie dense because of their protein, because of their saturated fat. And we know that people that eat meat tend to eat more calories and they're less satiated than people who have have a plant-predominant diet. So that just leads more into the metabolic syndromes like obesity and diabetes, which nobody wants. And it makes everything more difficult when you get another, you know, health concern. Yeah, I think when you're switching to a plant-based diet, a lot of times people don't realize how much more food you have to consume because of that, you know, calorie and nutrient density of plants over, you know, your animal products. Or you or you don't, you just eat till you're full and then you naturally don't have as many calories and your body starts to take on a healthy weight. Yeah, it's more of a natural process of really being in tune with, with having that addition of fiber, being in tune with feeling full and having that satiety right. with these fiber-rich foods. I will say it's a different fullness. It's not that heavy fullness. Yes, yeah, definitely. I can completely agree. Less bloating, more <laughs> good fullness in, within your body. Yeah. And then I want to mention that, you know, with all of these chronic disease risks, it's no surprise that vegans and vegetarians live longer than meat eaters. Uh, we've seen that through the, you know, the population studies on the centenarians mm-hmm. and the blue zones. Um, we've seen that in the Adventist health study. And then the Public Library of Science Medicine Journal, they published a study that showed life expectancy for women increased over 10 years and for men 13 years if you were on a optimal diet of plant foods as opposed to a Western diet high in saturated fat animal products. Wow, that's a significant difference. And I know from experience and to say they're living longer, better, not just and Uh free of chronic disease, not just not just that number there. Yeah. And the last thing I'll mention, and this is really important to a lot of people, are the global effects of the meat industry. Mm -hmm. The Eat Lancet study, which took into account not only population health, it also took into effect the sustainability of our food system, recommends decreasing all forms of meat consumption red meat being the one we should consume the least, but then they also gave recommendations to reduce both poultry and fish. And next week, we're going to talk more about fish. I know people probably have, you know, this urge to hear about fish and eggs. If you're telling me I can't eat a lot of meat, can I eat (laughs) fish? Can I eat eggs? Yeah, I'm sure that's on everybody's mind. So we're going to get to it and I can't wait. Yeah, me too. Well, thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please subscribe, leave us a five-star review and share it with a friend. And don't forget to join us next week. And we're going to dive into the topic of fish and egg consumption.